Welcome in to the tailgate. No longer two-for-one drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner, an NFL draft and college football podcast. We are ready to rock and roll. We're going to announce the rebrand and our plans there. And most of the podcast can be a preseason rookie recap, also introducing some new segments on the pod, catching an early buzz, breakout watch, mind-blowing stats, trivia. It's going to be sensational. At the back end of the show, the interviews continue. Louisiana head coach Billy Napier and Indy. Indiana cornerback Taiwan Mullen. Let's get it. Buddy, we are back and we are fresh. We are officially rebranded tailgate the new set the new show the new name the new music it's all it's all pretty spectacular i was gonna say i feel like it encompasses us yeah tailgate brands just tailgating in general it's kind of my favorite thing to do in the entire world i've said before i'm probably not gonna ever get married but when i do get married i want it to be like the reception to be a tailgate that'd be great like before a notre dame football game how cool would that be that but would be sick we'll see, we shall see that's like a long way in the future there were a lot of other names in consideration we also considered the tailgate and then Austin Collinsworth, you know, Chris Collinsworth's son <laughs> came in. He said, Hey, drop the, the, like from social network where they dropped the Facebook and just went Dead to Facebook. For that, that, so that, we that. are tailgate with Austin Gale and Mike Renner. It's going to be a NFL draft and college football podcast. We are going to continue our focus on draft on the draft and rookies. Obviously, Mike Renner, you're the senior draft analyst here, but lead draft analyst. What, what's great about this lead draft analyst. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's great about this is it's going to allow us to still introduce some more NFL segments. We want to yeah. cover every team. We want to cover the betting landscape in both college and the NFL. It's going to allow us to op- – it's opening up some more guests. You know, yeah, David more Sof- guests. More- David Safaro's got some head coaches lined up in the NFL, some, some, other, some other talented names on our way now that we have officially rebranded. We are excited. But the probably the coolest thing, the coolest thing about this name is it fucking fits perfectly for what we want to do this upcoming season – tailgate tour and this is where it starts listeners if you are in champaign illinois august 28th we are going to be at nebraska at illinois to open up the season week zero brett bielema scott frost illinois plus seven and plus 205 on the money line i am betting the home dog i'm excited man that's gonna be our first trip and then we have a second trip already planned do you want to introduce that one yes we'll be going to state college pennsylvania September 18th. Don't say it with too much gusto. So, well, I'm just saying that one's a ways in the future. We may be hitting other ones before then. Oh, we'll be sure. announcing on Mondays each week where we'll be that upcoming weekend trying to hit every single weekend. We may miss a few here and there, scheduling conflicts, whatnot. Yeah. But try to get out to places here in the Midwest because obviously we're going to have to be driving to these places. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. The okay. scope of this is David Sofaro, producer on Tailgate here has sent out 80 credential requests to 80 different games. And we are going to go to as many as we possibly freaking can. Um, So we already got approved for Nebraska at Illinois. We're going to be there, obviously. Scott, you know, Brett Bielema has been on the show. He's he's family. Then also, we got approved for Auburn at Penn State. A wideout game Mm -hmm. in State College is going to be absolutely absurd. Man, we are we are stoked for both those games. So definitely let us know if you're out there, man. If if you'll be in Champaign this weekend, hit us up. We'll be tailgating prior and maybe post probably post 
probably both. Last thing I have here is the episode schedule. Before we get into the real segments of the show, we're going to be releasing shows Monday a.m., recording them around 5.30. I know Mike Quinn's a big fan of that. Wednesday, we're also going to be releasing shows Wednesday in the morning and Thursday in the morning. Thursday with the hope that we are able to fit in some mailbag questions before the draft heats up towards the back end of December and early January. Shall we get into, and I came up with the name of this segment, mm -hmm. we need a segment to cover up the topics now. Because it's not just rookies and draft, catching early buzz. What's the buzz around the league here? Well, let's start with the NFL Top 100. And them not, not only putting Deshaun Watson at number 18, but also creating a solo YouTube video on their channel for Deshaun Watson and his announcement that he's number 18. Your thoughts there? I, I am not as up in arms as people are about this. I, I, they are in a difficult position where this is still an ongoing investigation, still not concrete stuff out there about his the allegations sexual assault allegations against him but to not even like reference it to just say his future is uncertain yeah that time. whole dubbed over who knows when he'll be on the field again or it's like you don't got to go there like you can just talk about him on the football field that's what this list is it doesn't have to be some social uh, proclamation about who he is as a person you could just say he was good on the football field last year that's why he's 18th I do think how they address it with the, the guy's voice over the top was dumb, but I think it would have been worse if they didn't say anything. I feel like they had this, it's a freaking monster elephant. There's a stamp safari in the room. I think you have to, you have to specifically address but, but like, why. What, what yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah why? You have to specifically, like, hey, Deshaun Watson is facing 22, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever, you know, uh, accounts of sexual assault. He's still, you know, the 18th best player in the NFL, and that just goes to show just like, you know, I would, I would lean into it a little bit more. It's fucking bullshit. I mean, you guys, yeah. guy needs to figure shit out. Anyway, um, I, thought, I thought how they addressed it was awful. It was definitely a very bad lead for that, yeah. for that YouTube video. But I also don't think people are saying, like, leave him off the list entirely. It's like, you don't have to do that, that far either. Like, it's still in the NFL. That, yeah. That would be make it even – either way, it was going to be a story, you know? He, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dilemma here. You have a handful of other things here. You have Nick, you added Nick Belore. Oh yeah, and Our boy, friend of the pod. <laughs> playing, do you see him play linebacker? He's flipping back to linebacker now. Oh, is he's he playing really more linebacker? He had like a actual good game. At really? Linebacker. Yeah, he's playing linebacker for them. I, I think he had like four stops defensively. Took on a couple blocks. Looking, looking back to normal. Looking back to his uh, old position. There, I think so. Nick Delore is going to, to play. He's, so for those who don't know, uh, he's the linebacker, former <laughs> yeah. fullback for the Seattle Pro Seahawks. Bowl, <laughs> Pro Bowl linebacker, fullback for the Seahawks. But he's also a uh, former Central Michigan guy. Fire up ships. Um, the other thing you put in here is Joe Thomas's pit sweat. Did you have a comment on that or did you want to just? I thought that was incredible. Like everyone has been there and knows that exact feeling to where your pits start going. And then you're like, once you realize they start going, that they just keep going, like builds. Mm -hmm. It's self-reinforcing. There's nothing you can do at that point. Did you see the picture? I did see the picture. I mean, it was, I won't say it was Sean Miller-esque, the Arizona basketball head coach who would just be from his belt to like his ears covered in sweat. <laughs> like his shirt would just be sticking to him. It wasn't that bad, but it was, I do love that he leaned into it because at that point you have to. You can't can't be the guy who's like, no, I'm not sweating. That's not, no, I'm not, it's not be, uh, be embarrassed about it. You can't do that. You got to own it. You have to point. own that. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing to be embarrassed about, I don't think, in my opinion. Especially when you're, like, calling a football game and you're a former football player. I feel like yeah. it wasn't that embarrassing. But uh, the, the other thing I was going to add here is, is catching early buzz. Is we've mentioned this company a handful of times on the show, and it just felt like give them their due. OnlyFans. Yeah. End of an era. No longer 
doing sexually explicit content. I had a, I typed out a tweet and deleted it, by the way. I said, Renner's girlfriend's going to have to find a new line of work. And I deleted that. Man, that would have been I thought one. that was good, though. Yeah. yeah I thought that would have been good. But that I fucking deleted it. I mean, that's... I saved that in drafts. That's up my alley. Uh, you could probably, I could probably still fire that one off. It'd probably yeah. still hit. Another tweet I have in drafts on OnlyFans, and I almost fired that off, is that does that mean Retro Lola Bunny can't have an OnlyFans you know, anymore? Because if you did Retro Lola Bunny content... And it was sexually explicit. I think there would be legs for it. I honestly think there would be a legitimate market for retro Lola Bunny. Tell me there wouldn't be. Are you saying you're in this market? I'm not I saying mean, I'm in this market. I'm just saying. There's a market for like fucking anything. I know. Oddly sexual I'm just saying. There, so. Where else are you going to put it? <laughs> I, OnlyFans is desperate. But I have no clue what their business model is at that point. That's the only reason anyone would ever pay money. It's the only so reason you can I ever still do money. nudes. You can still do nudes. But they just it can't just be can't. sexually explicit. What's the... I guess that's not one the same, but yeah. that's, uh, yeah, I just still don't see what their plan is. Cartoon there. porn might be the edge and Lola Bunny might be the savior. That, quote that. Where's the social team? Okay. Like that's, that's what we have there. That's what we have. We, we, but I think it, we could start an OnlyFans, do some mock draft content and stuff like that if we wanted to. Do you, I was going to say, do you remember when we kicked that idea around of just having a pod, OnlyFans for the podcast? Where putting we, our, the podcast first up on OnlyFans. That's, yeah. we got to do a couple episodes, maybe, maybe a bonus episode. One of these days. A segment. Right. We got to get off this now. Let's get to the rookie quarterbacks. We want to focus in on them. Uh, obviously, we had Trey Lance play yesterday. Uh, Trevor Lawrence plays today, so we won't be reacting to him. But a handful of other rookie quarterbacks played first. Let's start with Mac Money Jones. Guy looking, guy looking very, very veteran already. He's not make, he looks composed in that Patriots offense. A lot of reasons to be excited about how well he's performed. Yeah. I, I'm going to say it. He's going to start before Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Wow. Of the of the guys who aren't, obviously, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence are locked in. And I don't even know if this is like really a hot take to say that Mac Jones is going to be the, the other first-round QB that starts first. I just think he will. I mean, look at how well, like, how well he's operating in that offense already. And now he's not taking the first-team reps, unlike uh, Wilson and, and Lawrence have. But it's still sort of the speed of the game, what he's being asked to do, how he's operating. It's exceptionally the second play, the second play, the second drop back he had in that game. He literally manipulates a linebacker out of the hole on a third. And I want to say it was like a third and 13 hits a dig route to kill Harry behind it. And that dig route's not open unless he moves the linebacker with his shoulders. And now again, he's playing the Eagles linebackers. They, the gaps he was thrown into over the middle of the field, the spot drops they were taken, atrocious. Like this was the Eagles defense, even first string isn't exceptional. Go to their second string and it's, it's, it's getting ugly. But this, this, you could still like see NFL things on tape and what he's doing and how quickly he is getting to the ball to where it needs to go. I just think this guy's. He's ready to play. I'm not saying he's going to be great in the NFL, but like he's ready. The things you worry about a rookie quarterback not being ready, which we'll talk about here in a minute with some of these guys, you don't worry about with Mac Jones. Yeah, and I think uh, I think a lot of Patriots fans are ready to see Mac Jones come in. I also want to say that against that second string Philadelphia Eagles offense uh, defense defense, that Patriots offensive line looked like an absolute monster. They were that helped unloading. And it was that one time where Mac Jones had to move, you know, navigate the pocket a little bit and then still fired one past the sticks where you're seeing a lot of impressive, impressive stuff on Mac Jones tape. He is right now the highest graded rookie 
I think in all of the preseason, yeah. highest grade rookie quarterback as well. He has had a hell of a start. I want to shout out Connor McQuiston, intern here at PFF, a football research intern. He was also in Cincinnati this past weekend, hung out with the boys a little mm-hmm. bit. But he wrote an article about how kind of you know rookie preseason performance and and grading profile doesn't you know doesn't have That's a high correlation yeah. to how you perform in the NFL. But still, um, I think what you you know a lot of people are like it's the preseason, it's the preseason. You can tweet anything right now. It's like it's the preseason. It doesn't matter. Going against second stringers. What you're looking for is what you what you said. This guy doesn't look fucking lost because yeah. there are some people. I would even argue Trevor Lawrence has looked a lot more lost than what Mac Jones has in one game. One yeah. game. I'm just saying, if you had to, if you had to compare the two, yes, yeah, yeah. Trevor Lawrence has looked yeah. more nervous and lost and less composed than what Mac Jones has. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you hit a couple of things there. Only two pressure dropbacks of his twenty, but obviously looked good on those. And he's still 2.67 seconds average time to throw this preseason. I think it's the quickest of any of these rookie quarterbacks. That's a good thing to see out the game. Getting the ball out, getting the ball out. All right, Zach Wilson had another really good game. I mean, he he is another quarterback that looks composed. And I think this speaks to, you know, Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. This speaks to the coaching staff really putting these guys in a position to succeed. It is not quarterback alone when Matt, when when you have guys like Jones and Wilson coming out and already having a good handle on the offense that mm-hmm. is good install that is you know the, that is them getting the, hitting the ground running and obviously that's a lot of their effort but also these coaches are putting both Jones and Wilson in positions to succeed which is a huge shout out to it Robert Sala and uh, obviously Mike LaFleur are doing there in New York I also think the other thing I took away from that game is, man, Corey Davis is a mo- is going to be a target monster yep. in this offense. Obviously, we haven't seen Elijah more healthy. I don't think they're playing Jamison Crowder, the veteran there. But Corey Davis is, I think, has a target rate of like 88% or some <laughs> shit. He's fucking getting every single route or whatever. But Zach Wilson, again, two games back-to-back. He's the number two graded rookie. Also, I think he has an 89-plus PFF grade so far this season. Another really impressive performance for him. Yes. And this one is coming against... Not, not, you know, obviously not all first stringers, but the first string defense for the Green Bay Packers. One, the one bad throw, he had a play action boot, uh, just ducked it behind Corey Davis. But after that, it was all ticking the box, like all very high level NFL starter type plays. And the touchdown is the, the touchdown is the play that, like, that's why you drafted Zach Wilson number two, because it's cr- the creativity of that throw and what he had to do to get it in there which is it's a tight end running like a seam bender at a middle of the field safety. That's not a great route to throw, but there was a window there and it was back shouldering with touch the way he did. If he tries to fire it in on a laser linebackers hitting it. If he tries to throw it kind of over the top onto uh, the leverage in the middle of the field, safety's lighting up the tight end there. Safety is, or even picking that, but the way he put the ball there is where it had to be to make that a touchdown. And that's, like that is what you saw on tape at BYU, and that is translating the NFL already is a good. It, thing. it gave Croft that opportunity to adjust the ball yes. and also like shield himself away from the safety defender, which was awesome uh, to see. Um, let's. The, I, I was gonna say this. I, I dropped this tweet yesterday talking about Zach Wilson at plus seven fifty to win offense rookie of the year, and so a big. So that was plus one thousand a couple days ago. So obviously the preseason game mm. is, is leading to some handle. The, yeah. the, the reason I still think it's a value. Is Justin Fields and Trey Lance have better odds? <laughs> like, like Justin, really? Fields, yeah, Trey, Justin Fields and Trey Lance aren't even guaranteed to start. Yeah, Zach Wilson already looks really, really good. I, I think I'm starting to take to this Jets offensive line, Corey Davis edition, and, and the coaching staff. I'm starting to take to him being in a position where he's going to hit the ground running. And statistically, as I said months ago, 
could have a very, very successful rookie campaign in New York. So I still mm-hmm. think plus 750, it's a value. Justin Fields, some more up and down from the kid. Continue to see, you know, I think the the timing is just night and day to what Mac Jones is doing in New England. Um, the, 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 I think the biggest takeaway I have, have had is his feet are sick. And you said that after his first game. Yeah. Like this guy has NFL caliber mobility, if not upper end yeah. NFL caliber mobility. And I think that is always going to put him in kind of a rarer position than other quarterbacks because he's able to extend plays. And like that fourth down run that he had, like th- this is what mm. Justin Fields brings to the Bears offense. His passing ability, his accuracy is there, but I think the timing is where things need to improve. And you, you're, you're going to mention also the hot read he had on the big hit there. Yeah, obviously taking that big hit. Uh, everyone saw it this past weekend. It just has to know where protection's going to where blitz coming that he's got to get off that and he did actually so there was another play later in the game then where he had a free rusher and he got the ball out quickly but there's still there are a number of plays that are still worrisome and everyone every bears fan in america wants this guy to start week one based off of what i've seen first two weeks i would not throw him out there behind that offensive line i just wouldn't you're asking for him to develop bad habits and get himself killed. Like you're risking him injury with just the way he's playing the game of football right now. And that's not, there's no shame in that. Like he's a super talented dude, but there are still plays like his third drop back of the game uh, is a, is a all hitch concept against cover two. And in that concept, it's complete spread underneath concept. He is not, he takes a snap and he is locked into his left slot. I can't remember exactly who the wide receiver was, but he's locked in on them from the snap, running right at that, the curl player and not recognized, not reading, you know, great quarterbacks at the snap. They're looking pretty much like either scanning the field or they're looking right over the middle of the field to analyze what's going on. And then even on quick game concepts, they're not necessarily locked into one guy right away. He does, he, he's locked on that guy, doesn't even recognize that it's cover two, cover if he did, he would go back, work back right over the middle of the field, hit the hitch right that's wide open to him, but doesn't doesn't get off his first read and then has to break the pocket, whatever goes, because it's a quick game. He has to either get the ball out or there's nothing going to be there. So I, I think you're still seeing the sort of, and now he said the game was slow for him last week, but you're still seeing the fact that I, I don't think he's completely comfortable and, and everything is moving as slow as he says it is because there's a lot of stuff on tape where he's just not getting to his check down either quick enough or getting to the ball to where getting off that first read quick enough to get the ball out of his hands. And that's why you're seeing 3.7 average time to throw through two games already. This Bears offense line is going to be one of the worst in the NFL. That's you're just going to take a lot of hits if he's continuing to break the pocket. And, and yes, he is a great athlete. Yes, he can make plays with his legs. He's pretty much completely reliant on that, though, at this point. Eight, eight scrambles on 49 dropbacks is, like, unsustainably high level. I think the time to throw is the highest of any quarterback this preseason, easily the highest of rookies at 3.7 seconds, as you said. He had 3.76 in the first game and 3.63 in the second game. I, I think I said it you know, right after uh, the Tevin Jenkins you know, news came out that he was going to have back surgery and then they're going to put out a 39-year-old Jason Peters to protect. It already was the 28th ranked offensive line according to PFF offensive line rankings before the Jenkins injury. 
inserting Peters there is maybe a wash, but it yeah. definitely doesn't improve this this bad Bears offensive line to a point where you don't want to David Carr this guy. Now, David Carr's rookie season was absolutely it was like one of the most some of the like wasn't he like the highest sacked rookie quarterback ever in a single season? Like he got absolutely brutalized mm-hmm. and the Texans offensive line. I think not enough people bring that up when you're talking about developing rookie quarterbacks and do you play them their first year or do you not? You don't want them to get battered, and I think the first part you mentioned, you don't want to make you know, make bad habits. Bad habits. I think yeah. the bad habits, and Justin Fields has no no room for those, especially on the uh, on his you know holding the ball a little bit longer and and not moving as quickly as he needs to. We also have some other non first round rookie quarterbacks content. Yeah, we got to get to Davis Mills and Kyle Trask. Yes, Davis Mills actually. It was all right. I guess it wasn't bad. Uh-oh. He ripped a few off a of play action. Um, down the football field, like you saw the same, saw a lot of the same guy that you did at Stanford to where he's willing to give guys chances. He's very quick with the football. I will say he toes that line of is he throwing with anticipation or do you just predetermine where he's going? Because sometimes you'll throw it into you know, not a great, not a great look. He'll he'll throw a lot of balls that get broken up at the catch point still. And I do think his eyes drop from going downfield a little too quickly, only a 6.6 yard average depth of target in this game. But I was encouraged by what I saw, especially since, you know, the Texans roster is not, not a loaded one to where he's working with a ton of talent around him. So I think you could be seeing Davis Mills here start sometimes as a rookie. I, I would over not be Terod Taylor. Not maybe not right out the gate, but I do think you'll be seeing him start at some point. I mean, they have to. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be. Terod's like you know what Terod is. It's and you don't want different. you don't want Terod to raise the floor of this team and and, and potentially yeah, you, give them like three or four Ill. wins, and then you're out of Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell, and then this purgatory situation where everyone's begging you to pe- you know. Um, Make a play on a quarterback. I mean, you just don't want that. You mm-hmm. need to lose as many games as possible this year with Deshaun Watson's future. Very much deservedly so uncertain due to the 2022, you know, 2022, 22 sexual assault allegations. Um, Kyle Trask also took a hit from Elijah Molden and was getting battered a little bit. We'll talk more about him later, but he also put in some work uh, this, um, this past week. Yeah, Trask, 29 dropbacks, 51.8 passing grade. It, it wasn't great. But it was this, his, his like two weeks of preseason reminds me so much of Drew Stanton in that Bruce Arians offense when you know, Drew Stanton was with the Cardinals where it's just, it just plays the game so loose. Like there's, there's no, like just so many throws where it's like, damn, that's like not a good decision. But then like it's also off target so it doesn't get picked. But if it was on target, it might have gotten picked. Like there's just... So many throws down, like just completely willing to take any chance. His average depth of target right now is 12.7 yards down the football field. (laughs) He's just like bombs away left and right, which is, I mean, which is the Arians offense that that he is. That's why we kept saying he had the most big time throws in college football last year. He is a fit for it, but he just needs to clean that up. I will say both his picks weren't bad throws. They were actually one hit wide receivers hands. One was kind of just a little bit forced, but it wasn't a, Bad decision. Kind of got unlucky that it bounced off Elijah Molden. Um, his head. It bounced off Elijah Molden's like helmet. Yeah, it bounced off his helmet because he has back turned, which is like a, a chance you take in man coverage when the defender has his back turned. And then he did have a really nice throw late in the game under pressure well before his break uh, on a hitch route that was unfortunately dropped. But I, I think there was 
reasons for encouragement from what you saw in that the fearlessness is there. He's not tight. He's not playing tight at all. He's playing, he's playing the opposite. He's too, he's too free with it. He's too willy nilly. And the fumble he had was absolutely atrocious. They just lost literally running with football. But I think Trask, like I said, in that offense, reasons for encouragement already. I feel like that was one of the harder offenses to go into as a rookie, though. I mean, we've talked a ton about when Tom Brady first got signed with the Bucs, it's like, oh, your first year with the, the Arians yeah. offense, it's always, you know, it's always an adjustment because you're pushing the ball downfield and you're you're all, you're going to have more turnover-worthy plays just by sheer volume of passes. You're pushing 10, 15-plus yards down the football field. But um, I think playing loose in that offense is better than playing tight because if you're playing tight, you're not taking those chances and the whole offense doesn't work. You're probably holding the ball a lot longer than he is. You look at average time to throw, 2.74, even shorter than where Fields is at in, in what isn't as much of a downfield passing attack. Trey Lance, he played last night. Um, I thought it was up and down, another up and down performance to him. I think the biggest takeaway I had, buddy, throw a changeup. This guy's throwing freaking fireballs on every single throw. And he had, you know, Jimmy G and him both had an interception where the ball was high. I would call high and inaccurate and not hauled in by the intended receiver and then eventually picked. I think his is borderline. I think both were terrible. I think mm. Jimmy G had a guy who's ran out of Yuka streaking wide open over the middle of the field. He didn't have to put there at all. Then Trey Lance, I just said, dude, just like pull it back a little bit, put a little more touch on that thing, and it's an incompletion. He, so I had crack up we tweeted out i think from the pff count um most drops of any quarterback this preseason he had seven drops from his receivers already but it's like yeah when that ball's coming 100 miles an hour outside your frame you're, just, you're gonna have more drops it's like matthew stafford's been had like we've been had the most drops like over the last yeah. decade or whatever but it's like yeah he throws fireballs and is like a little inaccurate with them and that's kind of the recipe for drop passes something coming at you really hot that's outside your body, it's going to be difficult to haul in. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. He needs, he needs that, uh, that second pitch uh, in his <laughs> arsenal. What, what, so you are still Team Jimmy G for San Francisco to start right yeah, now? Yeah, I, I mean, he obviously figured it out as the game went on, which as you know, backups and more backups started coming in the second half there. But the f first half was... That's not start like it's not start. Well, not to say that Jimmy G's look much better, but yeah. I, I just unless you're really going to lean into his legs right out the gate, which you could. I, I mean, that's that's the only viable strategy I'd see to making him your starter week one is if you're really going to go run, run heavy. I also feel like he invited some pressure in that game. Held the ball along a handful of dropbacks as well. Had over three second time to throw. Um, I still don't think he's you know, processing as fast as they probably want him to and as fast as Jimmy G will um, out of the gate, just given that he's played more games. But both, yeah, he's I think the bigger it. issues, both these quarterbacks look like shit. You know, <laughs> both these quarterbacks have not played all that well. And that's going to be tough. Like you, you need you need one of these guys to show up. And I think the competition has not led to either of them like solidifying anything. Um, Trey Lance is obviously the future at the position or the hopeful future at the position, but still, you'd like to see some better performance. We'll see what Trevor Lawrence does um, tonight and pre probably react to that on the Wednesday episode. Uh, before we jump to the offensive rookie and defensive rookie segment, I want to get to some non-quarterbacks. want to mention that the NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week 1. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly. No matter what, just take advantage of this limited time offer now. 
Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same-game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code PFF to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Offensive rookies. You had some names here. I wanted to add a few, so I added a few to talk about. Even some, some like, we have to, can we open with this, actually? There's only one, like, negative performance I want to discuss. Panay Sewell. And mm. you're even seeing Jeff Schwartz saying he's looking lost at right tackle. Daniel, Jer- who's an Oregon guy, an offensive yeah. lineman, Stan. Daniel Jeremiah has mentioned that he looks uncomfortable. And you go back and watch the tape. I mean, he does look a little, I think Ben Fennel had probably the best comment on it. And his pass set depth looks ridiculous. Well, Ben Fennel had the best comment. I literally wrote that in the game recap. Come on. Oh, I didn't even Don't see even it in the game, game recap. recap. I didn't yeah. read your recap, my guy. He, he was. He was. He's literally comfortably pushing Melvin Ingram into his quarterback. Like he just. He was not setting to the right depth. Was not. And that's completely the fact that he hasn't the flip to right tackle has not been as quick. Like he's not picking it up. And I think uh, Mitchell Schwartz actually ended up saying my favorite take on the topic where it's he, once you get into a game mode and you've lost a couple reps and you're at right tackle, you got a new position. You basically don't know how to fix what you're doing wrong. And so then it leads to you panicking more and you, it's like quicksand. You keep getting worse because if you're that young or that new to whatever, and it's kind of like going out on a golf course and you got a slice, but you don't know how to fix your slice, it just it keeps getting worse because you, you're, if you're trying to fix it, you're not doing the right things because you're just it's all so new to you. Uh, you there's no fixing on the fly at that point. So I think that's what you saw from him. What he finished with? He had, gave up four pressures, finished with like the third lowest pass blocking grade of any offensive lineman this week. And now, and he's the lowest graded rookie this preseason. Our lowest graded offensive rookie. Yeah. And he's not even getting the blackout segment, though. This oh, week. no, the blackout segment's a different one. And it, it ties into a tweet I had it's that be I had a... half of Cincinnati ready to kill me. Yeah. Um, but... but we'll get to there. We'll get there when we get there. So, okay, I, I didn't mean to – I'm not trying to bag on Sewell, but I think it's a freaking interesting conversation. It is. He is not – he was, you know, obviously tabbed as this – and I still – the panic button has not been hit. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's, he's tagged as this guy who's, like, can't miss – instant starter fill-in, and he is not hitting the ground running with that move to right tackle. Um, running backs to start here, Michael Carter and Kylan Hill. I think Michael Carter looks legit. Yeah. I, I was not as high on Michael Carter as good as he's looked through two preseason games. Now that's a little bit of overreaction season, but still, I, I am, I've am i been impressed with what he's done with that Jets team. I think he's going to earn a legitimate role. Yes, I, I think he ends up getting the bulk of the carries there. I, I don't see how – I just don't see the talent in that backfield – compared to what he brings to the table. And it's not an offense that – so he's 199 pounds. He's 5'8", 199. He's not big. But it's also not an offense that requires – I mean, Aaron Jones is doing it at a shade over 200 pounds in Green Bay. Uh, what's his name? The Purdue back is doing it at Raheem Mostert, 195 uh, on San Francisco. It, it's, a, it's an offense that requires speed and sharp cuts over the ability to drag a defensive lineman linebacker in the hole. 
And now when he did have to run between the tackles, it was obviously a, a different animal. You saw some hesitancy compared to when he is out in space. When he's out in space, he's super talented. I mean, he was about up there with as good as it gets in this past class in terms of what he can do there. So, yeah, I think he ends up getting the bulk of carries in that Jets offense. I don't see, I just don't see who else I would rather give carries to. You also have Kylan Hill, rookie yeah. running back with Green Bay Packers, who out of Mississippi State listed here. I don't know when he gets the touches, but the touches he's had in the preseason uh, he ha- have been really good. I mean, he's a, uh, I think this is <laughs> this is another indication of that. You know, you dra- drafting at the running back position, you can get guys like Kylan Hill in the seventh round, and they can come in and instantly produce. I think he's broke tackles really well. He's caught the yeah. ball out of the backfield really well. Um, he has had a strong, strong start to the NFL. Yeah, five broken tackles on seven carries this past week. Um, more, so 41 yards after contact this preseason, only 27 yards. Except for almost three and a half after contact. He's not getting a lot of help, but doing it on his own. I, I do think he pretty much looks like a lock to make that roster, at least. In the trenches, you have Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, both highlighted um, as rookie offensive linemen that are performing above expectation right now. Man, already looking like a very good draft for Kansas City and what they got. Like those guys this past week, Creed Humphrey, 82.0 pass blocking grade, 77.5 run blocking grade. And this is coming, 41 snaps, this is coming against like ones. It is coming with the first string. He's getting that. Uh, Trey Smith, 55.3 pass blocking grade, 75.4 run blocking. They look like they're they can at least start. Like they look like those guys can at least play and not be liabilities, which is not always the case with offensive linemen, as we're seeing right now with obviously, you know, Penny Sewell at right tackle. Some guys look lost out there right out the gate. That is not the case with those two. And we, it was, this was their, you know, Achilles heel in the Super Bowl last year. The pressure on Patrick Mahomes, they look, that doesn't look to be the case right now. The, to have two rookies that are playing like that, that's massive for Kansas City. Creed Humphrey, I think, is one of the uh, like two or three rookie offensive linemen that have played more than 30 pass-blocking snaps and not allowed a single pressure so far this season. He has had a literal start and full sprint, and he's had a lot of success. Brady Christensen <clears throat> is another offensive lineman that's grading really well for Carolina right now, the rookie offensive tackle out of BYU, the super athletic one, and another athletic freak that is looking like a monster in the run game. Sam Cosme, projected starter for the Washington yeah. football team, former Texas offensive tackle. He's played right tackle for them. Um, didn't have the same week he had week one in pass protection, but still it's been good. And as a run blocker, this guy's moving people and getting to the second level. I think Sam Cosme, <clears throat> excuse me again, has had a really good start. Brady Christensen and Sam Cosme both playing really, really well right now. I mean, Cosme, all-time pro day. I mean, a freak of nature athletically was just... And I don't think it's going to be great in pass protection. Like you said, 57.0 pass blocking grade so far through two weeks. He may struggle there. He was very raw coming out of Texas in that regard. But one of the strongest and most explosive offense tackles in this draft class. That guy is moving people off the line of scrimmage, even in the NFL now. So that good sign for Washington and Brady Christensen for the Panthers. They fucking need him to start. You can't throw Cam Irvin out on Sam Darnold's blind side. I don't know if Christian's going to start left tackle. He's been playing right tackle for them, or if they're going to flip Taylor Mouton to left tackle, even though he's been a right tackle his whole entire career there in Carolina. And I think even dating back to Western Michigan, he was still a right tackle. But they need something because that's that ain't it on the left side there. If you're starting Cam Irving and who's Pat Elfline at left guard, that's – 
Darlin's going to be seeing ghosts again. That's just, he's going to. No, he's not going to be seeing ghosts. He's going to be seeing some players in his lap. Just see the stars. <laughs> that, it's going to be bad. So, um, Brady Christian, him playing well through a couple weeks here, have been something they need right out the gate. Defensive rookies, you have to start Jonathan Cooper and Chris Garrett. Some deep cuts here. I wanted to yes. mention some, some PFF darlings, but Jonathan Cooper and Chris Garrett both had a really, really good second week of the preseason. Yeah, I can't believe Jonathan Cooper fell all the way to 240 overall. Seventh rounder out of Ohio State. He, he looked good last year at limited time. I think he was like 120 on like the PFF draft board or so. Through two weeks, 30 pass rushing snaps, 91.3 pass rushing grade. Obviously, he's not running with the first string. Uh, those are mostly coming in the second half, but he's clowning, you know, those backup offensive tackles, which, again, we say it. Yeah, they're backup offensive tackles. Not everyone clowns them. Not all these guys are looking good, even in the third, even in the second, third string. So when they are, the guys that do, that's a good sign. He's got that a pass rushing toolbox that was one of the best in the draft class. Just a limited-ish athlete, limited arm length, but see him playing well at the gates, great. And then Chris Garrett, a guy, hand up, we didn't have tape on. Went to Concordia, St. Paul, D3. Uh, I think Eric Eager, Dr. Eric Eager, could tell us a little bit more. Gives a little bit better scouting report on this guy. But, man, two sacks this past week um, against Las Vegas. 89.9 pass rushing grade. Showed some showed some burst off the edge. 6'4", 245, a little long length. I think they not saying that he's going to be – either of those guys are going to be anything impact this season, but – that those are flashes that you don't see from every, like I said, third stringer that are worth, especially when a guy, like I said, Concordia, D3, doing that right out the gate. That's encouraging. You got to get your, your hands on some Concordia tape so that way we don't avoid and, these misses, man. Like, that, you, is that Owen Reese, front of the pod, Wisconsin Whitewater? Do they, I wonder if they have, if they're the same conference. I have no clue how D3 landscape, but maybe we could ask him. He didn't go to Concordia, but he did go to Washington. Elijah Molden was a monster in this Bucks game. This was a monster. Tennessee Titans cornerback. Um, he drafted out of University of Washington, playing slot cornerback for them. We call him, I think, the slot best slot cornerback in the 2021 NFL draft. And what I love about them already, the Titans are blitzing him a ton. He's rushing the passer and having success. He had, you know, that pass breakup where that ball hit him in the helmet and that was ultimately intercepted. I think the two more impressive two more impressive plays for me were back to back. He has this um, absurd sack where he like ducks under two linemen. And like squeezes through and makes a sack on Kyle Trask. And literally on the next play, just absolutely unloads on Jaden Mickens and 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 tackles him for a big um, big loss there. I think he looks confident. He's tackling. He's physical. I, this is um, a really really good start for Elijah Molden. And what's great is when you when you see this stuff, it's like it looks exactly like he did at Washington. Yep. Like he had, when you had exactly. you know, here's a comparison. Patrick Queen, first step. Was insane at LSU. He's very quick, very, you know, uh, instincts were something you highlighted. Did not have that same step in his first year in Baltimore. Not saying he can't pick it up, but he's not, he didn't, he obviously lost a step with thinking on the football yeah. field and those things. Mold's not thinking on the football field. This guy's just going and he's having a lot of success because of it. Yeah. Mainly playing slot around the line of scrimmage, but making plays. Like you said, look like the same guy, look the f part physically in the game he was playing. I'm not going to go as far as Jim Nagy did, saying that anyone who comped Elijah Mold and Tyron Matthew last spring got it right, which it's a lot to put on the fella. I think his, your guy. comp was good, wasn't it, Mike Hilton? I think that's he looks. I think Mike Hilton is a good comp. He was. I can't remember exactly what my comp was, but maybe we'll go check it out. But 
that was about as good a start as you saw. That was about as good a game I saw defensively of anyone this preseason. It was it was lights out. Yeah, it was lights out. Um, I want to stick with the Bucks before we get to your guys here because yeah, uh, or you know what? Go Derek Barnes. Derek Barnes. Derek Barnes, Lions linebacker. If he's not starting Week One <laughs> over July and Tavai. Tavai looks absolutely lost on a handful of yeah. snaps there. I, I mean, Najee Harris led led all rookies in receiving yards, I believe, this week. It's like because he had one big scamper because July Tavai can't close ground in space. Like he's getting you're getting outrun by Najee Harris at linebacker. There's not a there's not a three down roll for you in this today's NFL. I'll just, I'll just say it. That's not that's not a good thing to have starting. Derek Barnes was monster two force incompletions. Making plays sideline and sideline at like 200, damn near 250 pounds, former defensive end, former on the ball player. Now, at obviously one year, switched last year at Purdue, looks 100% the part. He, he's got to be starting there for them. And now, like, we know which line to buy is. And it's, it's not the guy you want. It's not, yeah. it's not the guy you want. And I think that sideline to sideline stuff has showed up in both games now. Like he yeah. is legitimately rangy and everywhere for that line defense when they do put in the twos and threes. Rashad Wild Goose had himself a day. Your yes. guy. Your guy. My guys. Out in Buffalo. The former Wisconsin cornerback. Two pass breakups on three targets. Only allowed one catch for like six yards. Didn't even go for a first down. I mean, one was the go ball, one a hitch. Like that's two completely different type of skill sets that, man, Wild Goose. No, he had himself a day against the Bears. Uh, a couple of Washington guys I wanted to highlight, and then also Quiddy Pay had his first NFL mm. sack, which was sweet off the right side there. But Levi Muzurike for the for the Lions, former Washington defensive tackle, opted out all of 2020, as did Joe Tryon. But what was impressive, he had, he had one pass rushing snap, I think, against Kendrick Green, where he kind of beat him mm. pretty quick, and I thought that was nice. But he was, like, holding his own in the run game. Like, yeah. he was not getting bullied, which was – I, I think impressive considering that he did sit out the 2020 season. He's already getting kind of thrown in the mix. And then as for Joe Tryon, <clears throat> Joe Tryon goes against Dylan Radins and absolutely sauces him for two of these reps. I think he looks, man, I don't know, man. This guy's, this guy's throwing out some moves that we did not see in 2019. He's obviously another guy that opted out of 2020. And he's got some explosives in these things where I'm getting interested. And he's obviously going to be a rotational player for them, which should kill Barrett JPP there. Yeah. But – they're going to be facing a lot of third downs yeah. with that defense. I mean, they're going to be on a lot of third downs, and he's going to be on the football field, and he's, he's probably going to produce like from what we've seen so far. And now it hasn't been like every single snap unblockable, but <laughs> you just see. Unfortunately, no. You see what it looks like. That's what elite defensive ends look like. Is what your tries look like through two weeks. Plus twenty eight hundred for defensive rookie of the year. I don't know. I, 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 might, I, might, I might throw a couple of shackles at it. Yeah, I think what George talked about that is one of his favorite bets because he'll get talked about. Yeah. The Bucks will get talked about. You know, the narrative. Quiddy Pay can be out there balling if Carson Wentz is out for eight weeks and they're two and six. Quiddy Pay is not getting talked about. Yeah. So, no, you're not wrong. You are not. But Louisville Luzurike, him in the run game was probably the most encouraging thing because yeah. that was. He was thought of as maybe like a three-tech only coming out of Washington at a size, only 288 pounds. Double teams had been an issue, but I think he's done well. He had one double those. team where I was like, yeah. okay, Levi. He's done well. Okay. So. Homefield Apparel, a new partner of the 2 for one Drafts podcast. Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate. You did not just say 2 for one Drafts. Oh, my gosh. It's still in the read. <laughs> a new partner of tail, the Tailgate podcast. 
Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel is a premium collegiate brand out of Indianapolis, incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel, and vintage college designs. <clears throat> Home Field is in the middle of big news Saturday. Season two, where they launch a new school collection every Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern for 16 weeks straight. They just recently released Kentucky, Wisconsin, and Florida. And this past Saturday, they dropped the Washington Huskies gear. My favorite shirt might be that one, though. Oh, the jump, jump around. around. That one's this sweet, fantastic. That's a nice. That's a nice piece. Yeah. Home field apparel. You can get that. Home, use promo code PFF to get 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. That is promo code PFF. For 15% off, get ready for college football tailgate season with tailgate here at PFF. Going to a handful of segments here. I like I like these. We're going to go breakout yes. watch. Fun to read segment has a lot of legs. Got potential. Mind-blowing stat and trivia. Mm-hmm. I think we need a new name for this, but cake your pants moment of the week. Nope, that one's going to stay. I don't like it, but we're going to, we'll consider it. Then we got rookie of the week and then blackout of the week, a rookie performance that they'd like to forget. Let's go with breakout watch. I put a name, you put a name. Let's go. All right. I'm going to go with AJ Epinesa. He gave Elijah Wilkinson. Yeah, that was rough. I mean, he just bullied him. And that was the guy we saw at Iowa where it's just like, yeah, he's not the most explosive, but he is an ox. Like for his, size he is a strong dude wins with his length and he was just bull rushing Elijah Wilkinson every single play he had no answer uh, and I think that's it's not a not great starting caliber offense tackle in the NFL but you got sometimes you'll face bad ones and you got to beat their ass too so I was I think, watching I was watching that game with Benjamin Lindsay who mm-hmm. is if you don't know a senior analyst here at PFF and also the calmest motherfucker I've ever met yeah he does not he does not waver his emotions do not show he doesn't have Infle- he doesn't have voice inflection. It's, it's one. He audibly laughed when he saw this Epinesa rep live. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it was like what, it was. Uh, he it, it was absurd. He Epinesa mm-hmm. really put him down. Uh, the one I had here was, and this has been a breakout. We've been talking about this a ton. One of our reporters did a feature on him. Sat down with him for 20, 30 minutes. Alex Highsmith, former Charlotte Edge, second year player. He was going up against Matt Nelson. This this I don't even know who the fuck this guy is. He's set left tackle for the Detroit Lions. Taylor Decker not playing. And, oh, my God, he could not be blocked. Yeah. Run game was absurd. He had a handful of really nice pass rushing snaps as well. And, again, okay, you're going against nobody. It's like, but you got to dominate. When you go against nobody, better, I better fucking know. You know yeah. If you go against nobody, you better show up. And Alex Highsmith, through two pre, you know, three preseason games, has been really, really good, really mitigating that loss of Bud Dupree for them this offseason. Yeah. And then you, you add in Melvin Ingram. You have TJ Watt. Like, poof. I don't even know what that sound was. <laughs> like a vacuum cleaner. I'm excited but, about it uh, for sure. Yeah, 90.1 overall grade. Uh, I do think that that Steelers D-line, it ain't missing a beat. Uh, their defense should be just right up there with how it was last year. Yeah. You want to mention one more? You got another Steelers? Oh, I threw in one, one more. Just Kevin Dotson. Not, now, he was very good last year. He's Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl good. He looks that's how second year player out of Louisiana Lafayette. That's right. He looks <laughs> perfect for Billy Napier today. It, he he looks like a like I said. It, it looks like how a Pro Bowl guard looks through two weeks. It, he has been exceptional. Uh, just pass protection, moving dudes left and right. Kevin Dotson. Yeah, Napier uh, one is a very very stern guy. He's on the show today, but we talk a lot about that offensive line. Like it is legitimately a culture. That their offensive line, or like a part of their culture, that their mm-hmm. offensive line is physical, tough. Dotson, a product of that ULL offensive line. Fun to read segment. Now, 
the biggest thing about this segment and why why I love it is that we need our podcast listeners yes. to contribute and tag us when they see an opportunity. What this segment is, mm-hmm. is when you see a tweet, or I'll even extend it out to Instagram, because we know Trey yeah. Lance is in his bag out there making plays on uh, Cowherd's daughter or whatever. But this fun to read segment is when we see just an absolutely absurd social media post from a notable name. And I think Emmanuel Alcho has had a handful that would probably have made this in previous oh, yeah. weeks. Nice I've probably dropped a couple of these bombs, but still, this past week, dude, oh my gosh. Please, please, please read this one. And this one's kind of cheating because it was set on a broadcast yeah, yeah. and it was then transcribed in a tweet. But so, tweet. In a tweet. <laughs> Go ahead. It's halfway between queef and tweet there. Uh, Spencer <laughs> Tillman on the Texans broadcast, the announcer there. Who is Spencer Tillman? I, I just think he's like the Texans announcer. I'm, I'm exact. Gotcha. Look, look up who Spencer told me. I will. Is. I'll I keep will. reading this tweet here. Former Houston football player. Nice. Um, he said about Nick Casario's job this offseason, about the job he's done. I don't think I've seen a better job by a GM in the last decade or more. That's what he said about Nick Casario signing. And he highlighted that he has a lot of one year team-friendly deals with guys who wouldn't have signed anywhere else if they hadn't been signed by the Texans. Can I couch this with something? He has not had the, – the statement is not funny because he's had like an absolutely horrendous offseason. He has had a bad offseason and signed a bunch of mediocre players, but he has not like completely like set yeah. anything on fire. The problem is that – and you're going to bring this up – is that there's been so many other te- – Brandon Bean, Jason. I mean, there's been so many. Just like literally signed Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, drafted Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield, and won a Super Bowl because of it. <laughs> last year, last offseason. But did he sign Mark Ingram but, to a team friendly <laughs> deal? Yeah. yeah. Come but on. Team friendly deal. No, uh, that was that was fun to read. Jason Light is Mark Ingram on a team friendly deal from actually being good. Okay, that's all I'm saying. All right, this next one here, this next segment, mind blowing stat and trivia. So we need a better maybe name for this. Yeah, this one sucks. The the mind blowing stats call back to if anyone was a longtime NFL podcast listener, we used to have Nathan Yankee on. We would call him and he would just read one stat every week and then we wouldn't even react to it. We would just say, thanks, Nathan, and then keep going. That was one of my favorite segments that we ever did. But the mind blowing stat of the week, this one, and I wanted to do more trivia. We'll figure out a way to do more trivia because obviously big trivia guy we've talked about. Yeah. How often I go to trivia. I also trivia. don't know how you get answers. We just like tag them in tweets or? Um, I mean, it's just to let people know. We're not asking. I'm asking you this question. Oh, really? Not, it's me. Is, so Tutu Atwell has targeted 13 times this past week. And he had only 46 yards. Caught eight of them. 3.5 yards per target. Which wide receiver last year had the fewest yards on at least 13 targets in a single game? At least 13 targets? Can I start with Tutu Atwell? I think the broadcast mentioned it because they were talking to the coaches. They want him heavily involved in the preseason because they need him to get reps with the football. Like yeah. There's still like the confidence, like the ball confidence is not there. But um, 3.5 yards per target is pretty horrendous. Last season, regular season, can I can I ask one question? Is, yeah. it, is it a receiver? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, 13 targets, fewest yards. If you'd like a hint, they played here in town. Oh, they play here in town. Yes. Tyler Boyd. No, it was, come on. It's AJ Green. Oh, fair. Damn. Week that's, two, week two no, of last year. Air Yards year. King, our Air Yards King. The guy who week, like had like fucking 15,000 Air Yards, but did not pan out for the fantasy community. Week two against the Browns, Thursday Night Football. 
29 yards and 13 targets. No. 29 yards. Quinn is back there impossible. throwing his fist at A.J. Green's slander, but still. Um, all right. Cake your pants moment of the week. This is obvious. He had one of the coolest plays of the weekend, Elijah Molden. You go watch the play. I, I put it out on my Twitter. You can also probably find it if you just type in, like, Elijah Molden sack. But, like, this guy comes on a blitz, and these two offensive linemen for the Bucks like, try and converge on his ass. And, like, while – here. Beats a double team. Yeah, yeah. Like, these, these linemen come here, and he just, like, slides. Like, he goes – he drops, like, a, like, a, like a single, like, takedown drop and then gets back up and you, makes a sack on track. You want to try to do it? You want to try, try to do it real do it. quick? I can try to do it. We, we, we go – he goes, he's running down. Lyman mm, 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 mm. start to convert. Yeah. He goes like this. And like they, they like hit each other above him because he's a yeah. small ass dude. And he gets back up and he takes down Child Trap. That was fucking lit, dude. It was fucking sweet. It was it was a pure football play. You yeah. know? It was just the reaction ability, the just the thought process. It probably wasn't any thought process, just like the reaction. Dope. That's to what go I'm saying, to that confidence. move. And yeah. Like he's definitely playing fast already. I kicked my pants. <laughs> um, before we get to the rookie and blackout of the week and then the interviews as well I have to highlight obviously Western and Southern are a proud sponsor of the tailgate podcast here in these uncertain times life is full of questions like when should I start thinking about life insurance but however difficult these questions may be Western and Southern can help you answer them backed by over 130 years of experience together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind Western Southern Financial Group life insurance retirements and investments rookie of the week this one's obvious he's winning one of the highest grade rookies this preseason coming off another outstanding week mac jones we talked about it ad nauseum who we have not talked about is the blackout of the week yes jamar chase so this is not just blackout of the week he had a rough one where he dropped a handful of balls he dropped three balls in that game but also do you see the reporters are now like chomping at the bit to like any single time this guy drops past you're like yep Drop piece of shit. Like it's just like the, the energy on Bengals well, Twitter right now is incredible. Well, it was so he drops all three of his targets. Hot. And then comes out and apparently the very first ball in practice dropped. And then there was another one in the red zone. And I saw a video of it. I think it was from I don't know the name. Sorry. From the Bengals reporter, support local journalists. But he had this video where Jamar Chase is like open in the end zone. Hits him in the hands. It comes off and Von Bell picks it. Like, it. Fuck, dude. Come on. It really is. He's, he's got the yips. He's got the yips. There's no sugarcoating it. He has, he is in his own head. Him and Penny Sewell, which is the hilarious sort yeah, of thing yeah, yeah. that the whole debate in Cincinnati that raged all draft season both look like shit yeah. right now. That's not saying. But, but I think both look like shit with fixable. Yes, they both look like they're quicksand. The, uh, the, 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 the replacements. What's your biggest fear? Quicksand. Quicksand. They're both in the quicksand right now. And I know. To, uh, need to clear their mind and get the confidence that we saw both of them fucking play with. Yeah. Very two years ago, the last time I played the football. The panic button should back. not be hit on either player. Don't even I think, think about it. But, yeah. Don't even think about it yet. I think drops are also very noisy and volatile. It's rare that, you, I mean, Jamar Chase is also super sure handed at LSU. I would say trust. Sample size, and these are all they've all been focus drops. I mean, they've all been. I mean, they haven't he's not been approaching the ball horrendously. I think, uh, Pesul's learning a new position for both these guys. Blackouts, if you wanted to throw Sewell in there too, I think do not hit the panic button. Everything's okay. This is it's going to be okay. It's not your but, fault, Will. It's not your fault. Goodwill hunting, but he had a few too many, and he did. And so, I hope you like forgot to, about that. I was gonna he, say, I hope you would. If anything, he needs to blackout. 
He needs to black out and forget this yeah. game and also forget that practice. I it saw, does not I help that now the Bengals reporters are on his ass. Help him out, guys. I saw that Paul Dater Jr. out there dogging him in the post. I mean, can you can you give it get the guy a break? Everyone wants to know about it though. Like no, they I know, can't I not, know. But like that know? that doesn't help, man. I mean, that's yeah. when you see everyone and their mother just tweeting drops on your ass, like that's that's a brutal scene. That's a brutal, brutal scene. If all my misses were tweeted out live, oh my God, <laughs> that would be a festival. Uh, let's get to these interviews and then close out the podcast here. Interview with Louisiana head coach Billy Napier. Then we had a player on Indiana cornerback Taiwan Mullen. Now joining the Tailgate podcast is Louisiana head coach Billy Napier. Billy, great to have you on the show. Thank you, Austin. I appreciate everything, man. Where I'd like to start, honestly, you're coming off back-to-back 7-1 seasons in the conference, capped off by bowl wins in 2019 and 2020. I know there's high expectations for this Louisiana team, and specifically high expectations for returning quarterback Levi Lewis, You know him leveraging that extra year of eligibility to return to quarterback the Cajuns in 2021, a veteran presence, someone you've called in an interview with The Athletic, an 11th assistant coach. Uh, I guess speak to the expectations you have for him this upcoming season, and I guess what's the biggest area of improvement for Lewis this upcoming year? Well, I, I think uh, you're spot on. I mean, I think Levi is hungry. Uh, certainly came back for this bonus season. You know, if you go back and dig into Levi's history, his true freshman year, uh, he only played 15 plays. So really, you know, a little bit of karma here probably in that he gets this opportunity, you know, but he has uh, been relentless in the offseason program. Um, I think that he senses he could have played better last year. You know, I think that would be uh, his opinion. Um, and certainly within our organization, we felt like as a whole on offense that we could have played much better. Although we won football games, found a lot of, a lot of different ways to win. Uh, offensively, wasn't always proud of the film that we put out there. So in general, I think offensively, we're on a little bit of a mission to get back to our brand of ball, the level of execution that we expect, and certainly that starts at quarterback. Uh, I do think that so far, uh, so good in training camp relative to the the surrounding uh, support staff, you know, that he has, right? I think the offensive line continuity, uh, the receiver group, not only the experience of the rookies last year, but also a couple new additions. Uh, we're in position to play well, and, uh, you know, at the center of that, uh, is the alpha, right? Levi Lewis. He's certainly the alpha in our organization for sure. Up front, I'm glad you brought up the offensive line. I mean, you have a rare opportunity to bring back, obviously, a ton of the starters from last year. And then also, I think there's this kind of notoriety for the offensive line at Louisiana to be tough, to be physical, to always be one of the best in the Sun Belt. I guess, how, how do you maintain that culture at Louisiana? And, um, and how important is that, you know, physical, imposing nature to the success in the trenches there for the Cajuns? Well, I think we'd like to believe that we're a line of scrimmage team. You know, I think certainly not only at the line of scrimmage, scrimmage but also on the edges, right? We want to control the edges of the formations, um, I do think that it's an expectation here. It's a brand of football that we want to play on offense, right? I certainly uh, call the plays here. We've got a, a mentality and approach that we take. Uh, we do have new leadership in the offensive line room, right? Two new assistant coaches there. I've been very pleased with so far uh, the development that we've seen from the young players in the room. Uh, Jeff Nord came over from Florida Atlantic. Uh, Jeff and I know each other from 
uh, our days at Alabama. He's got 16 years experience in the SEC. Uh, he did a terrific job there at Florida Atlantic. Uh, and then Darnell Stapleton uh, was our assistant offensive line coach, played for Greg Schiano at Rutgers, played in the National Football League, has had his own room for a number of years now at not only uh, Sam Houston State, but McNeil as well. So we're very pleased. Those two guys are doing a really good job. Uh, we are benefiting from experience, um, but I do think it's a very competitive room and we've worked a number of different lineups here just in terms of working contingency plans. But I like what I've seen in particular in the last four or five days, I think we've taken a step forward. You know, not only will Levi, you know, benefit from that offensive line, but so will a very deep running back room at Louisiana. Even after losing Trey and Elijah Mitchell to the NFL, you have All-American kick returner Chris Smith, who's in line for increased role. And then also, I saw you recently praising, you know, the true freshman, Montreal Johnson. I guess, what are your expectations for this group with, you know, Trey and Mitchell gone? And then who do you feel is going to be that focal point of the of the backfield this season? Well, Chris Smith is in position here, right? He was the third back in the rotation. We're a little bit of a three-back rotation team, you know, spread out the workload, uh, keep those guys fresh and healthy. Um, so Chris is really the only proven player that we have. You know, I think we've had Amani Mon Bailey in the program. TJ Wisham's been in the program. And certainly those guys are in position to, to compete for opportunities Um but then you got this group of freshmen uh, that really have, you know, done a nice job so far in training camp. Montreal Johnson has really emerged in that group as a guy that is working towards being game ready. Very talented young man from De La Salle in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, you know, so in general, I feel good about that group. We need to stay healthy there. Um, and, and we are a work in progress, right? I think it's one thing to sense that you've got some physical ability. It's another thing to go do it uh, in a game day setting. So we'll be a work in progress there, but we're excited about Chris and what he brings to the table. We all know what he's capable of. He's been very productive every opportunity we've given him in the past. Defensively, this Louisiana team is also loaded. You know, finished top 30 in defensive efficiency this past season in the FBS. Braylon Trahan at safety, Zion Hill along the defensive line. I know he's the guy that's also been healthy this offseason. Um, do, do you expect a massive step forward with returning starters on the defense and also just a very successful 2020, 2020 campaign? Well, we've played good defense, you know, the last two years. I think we were 18th and maybe 27th, something like that, uh, scoring in total, you know, generally kind of in the top 30 for two years in a row. Uh, we try to play team football here. You know, I'm an offensive coach, but I certainly believe in, you know, kind of the approach that, you know, the collective effort of the team, offense, defense, and game changers for us. Uh, but we're excited. Patrick Tony's an exceptional young coach. He's done a great job leading that side of the ball. Um, we do have a lot of production, you know, coming back on that side. Great safety and corner room, uh, experience at inside backer, and certainly along the front, there's some very productive players. So in general there, I think it's about consistency, uh, but we're very capable. Uh, and I, I've been very pleased so far in training camp. It's been very competitive out there. Not only the physical one-on-ones that are taking place each play, but also conceptually um, the number of variables that we have on both sides of the football. Uh, it, it is a challenge for sure.
A couple more questions for you, Coach, before I let you go. Coastal Carolina coming off a monster season. Just got done talking to Jamie Chadwell there for Coastal. Sunbelt Championship canceled last year. Um, you know, took, uh, took a loss to the Chanticleers by three points in October. How much is your team kind of chomping at the bit for another opportunity to take on what everyone's calling America's team, the fun team, this team in the Sunbelt that obviously was mightily successful this past year? Well, no, I mean, I think we have tremendous respect for Coach Chadwell and his program, you know, and certainly the accomplishments that they, uh, the turnaround, really, you think about yeah. what they accomplished being picked last in the league and then really emerging as a legitimate contender last year. So, you know, we've got a lot of respect for what they did. Um, and, but but I do think that, uh, you know, these, these seasons, they almost have, a, they're kind of like, uh, have the life of their own, right? You really start over. Uh, we had 33 new players in our training camp this year. We have 20 new staff members in our training camp. So, you know, this is a new team, a new a new group of players, a new challenge. Um, you know, Coastal Carolina is not on our schedule this year. Um, you know, and I think right now, being right in the middle of the training camp, our focus is on making improvement. But I do think that the losing out on the opportunity to play in the conference championship game has given us a little bit of an edge going into the offseason. You pair that with opening the season with a very prestigious uh, program in Texas. Uh, we have had a little bit of an edge about us, and I think that's a positive. Last one for you. you know, what are you telling your guys right now in terms of goals for this season? Number 23 in the AP poll. You know, I'm sure Sunbelt is on there. I'm sure um, you know, going as far as you can is on there. But what specifically are you, are you talking to your guys about? I guess what is the goals for this season? You know, we don't talk a lot about um, necessarily end goals. You know, I mm-hmm. think we try to uh, break our offseason up into phases. We try to have very specific objectives, um, you know, and really work one phase at a time from a process standpoint to improve. You know, I think our goal uh, as a staff and an organization is each year to get the absolute most uh, out of the group of players that we have. You know, it's one thing to have a lot of potential. It's another thing to get that group to perform and play at a high level and at its best, right? So I think we're completely consumed with, the next challenge right now, we're in the middle of training camp and we're trying to finish strong. Our second scrimmage is on Saturday. And then we'll kind of turn the page there and start a little bit different progression with school starting on Monday. But overall, I think we're seeking improvement. Um, and I think that we're trying to uh, play to our potential, right? Really get the most out of this group as a whole. Uh, and in the meantime, um, you know, be very competitive. You know, I think we certainly have done that. We've built a program here and uh, we're excited about, you know, having some expectations. I think it's, it's a part of, uh, it's a result of a lot of hard work by a lot of, a lot of great people. Fantastic stuff, coach. I really appreciate the time and I wish you the best of luck this upcoming season. Okay, guys. Thank y'all. Y'all have a great day. Now joining the Tailgate Podcast is current Indiana cornerback Taiwan Mullen. Taiwan, we've been looking forward to this interview for a while. You are a PFF darling in a lot of ways. Have graded really well, high force and completion percentage. Someone that we look at as one of the best cornerbacks in the Big Ten. You're doing it at such a young age as well. Great to have you on the show, and I really appreciate the time. Appreciate you guys having me. It means a lot to me. 
Where, where I'd like to start, honestly, if people recognize that Mullen name, your your older brother, Trayvon, former Clemson quarterback, currently playing for the Las Vegas Raiders, former right. second-round pick, standout player, really good in press coverage. And I think you see a lot of similarities in his game to yours. Speak to the relationship you have with Trayvon and maybe how much he's helped you in your career this far and, and maybe where he's helped you the most. Uh, you know, me and my brother have a great relationship with all my brothers from, like, Nathaniel, the oldest, to Travell, the youngest. You know, um, you know, he helped me with my career since I was in youth football. You know, just giving me pointers, things I shouldn't do. You know, in high school, when I used to get on my heels, you know, guarding the man here, like, don't do that, you know, because when you get on your heels, you beat. Mm -hmm. You know, he just gave me a lot of pointers at life and just football. You know, he was a very great mentor, you know, and I, uh, he meant a lot to me. Something that I see in your game that I think is distinct to even Trayvon's is just your physical presence as a blitzer and as a run defender. It's something that we find you know, you don't see that a ton with quarterbacks these days. You don't see tacklers like yourself or people that come off the blitz like yourself. I think you rushed, what, the passer 18 times this past year, came up with more than five total pressures. Do you feel that's an obvious strength of yours and something that you prioritize in practice? And I guess maybe does that separate you from other cornerbacks in college football? Yes, I feel like it separated me from um, other corners because, you know, my freshman year, you know, I just feel like I had like, all the tools, but blitzing, they used to see me on, like, the blitzes, like, my freshman year. You know, I used, not, I used to not get home, you know. I feel like I would let the team down. So, you know, just fast forward to fall camp, you know, just practicing on, like, getting off the blocks, you know, disguising the blitz much better, mm -hmm. you know, not letting the offense call cat-cat when they see me coming, you know, the, uh, the change, the um, – the, the, the block. So, you know, I did a much better job, you know, practicing on it, you know, as everybody can see, you know, I was getting home last year to the yeah. quarterbacks. Yeah, that's, that's great that you call that out, too. As a blitzer, it's more than just during the play getting home. It's also kind of disguising those looks pre-snap to avoid right. offensive line changes and stuff. That's great that you bring it up. Another piece of that I love about your game is that inside-out versatility. You know, you've played over 100 snaps at outside cornerback and slot cornerback this past season. Do you plan to continue to be utilized that way, or do you plan to kind of follow people into the slot and also play a significant role on the outside, or are you going to try and prioritize one position there at Indiana? Oh, no, no, no. Um... I'm still playing inside out, you know, keeping the, vers the versatility going. You know, they use me in a unique way. You know, mm -hmm. They let me um, play my game within the system. You know, um, they, they get me on the best receiver, and they know I'm um, do my job. I was talking to Chris Harris Jr., you know, longtime slot cornerback in the NFL. I think it was a couple of months ago, and he talks about how much it's how it's almost harder to play slot cornerback than it is on the outside because you have receivers and their two way goes. And in college football and in the NFL, you're seeing players put their best receiver in the slot so much. I mean, you saw that with Elijah Moore a ton at Ole Miss. I guess what's your opinion on playing those two positions? And I guess how do you approach the slot differently than you approach the outside cornerback position? Uh, you know. When you're playing a wide out, you know, you really don't have that much option, that many routes, combinations. You really don't have two-way goals, I should say. Or you may have one, and that's a double move yeah. or a slanting goal. But playing, sticking a slot, you know, you have to be way more patient than on the outside. You know, those guys have two-way goals. You know, those guys, like, if you have an outside leverage, those guys may can just stutter at the top of the route for about three seconds and go inside or outside. Or You know, you just got to be more – train your eyes, be patient. You know, it's a very good competition in the inside, you know, very challenging in the inside more than the outside. But, you know, I love just going inside and outside, you know, just helping my team.
We had Tom Allen on this podcast a few months ago, and he raved about some of these players you guys have on the offensive side of the ball, Michael Penix Jr., and specifically wide receiver Ty Freifogel. What's it been like going against him consistently in practice and that offense overall? And I guess how does he make you better? You know, he's he been a great leader on the offensive side of the ball. You know, he one of the top prospects in the country in the Big Ten. You know, he is a big body. You know, he's a long guy. You know, he could jump for the ball. You know, we get we get each other better every day. You know, good competition, healthy competition. You know, uh, he's a he's a hard worker. You know, I get him better, he get me better. You know, he wins some, I win some. You know, but in that day, we just get ready for the Saturday games. And when Saturday comes, we both will be ready. You know, we're seeing what good on good look like, and we go good on good every day at practice. Last one for you, Taiwan. I'll let you go. Really appreciate the time. Uh, I know you guys are losing Jamar Johnson, the safety to the NFL, but man, right. Indiana, the Hoosiers still have some absolute dogs in the secondary, including yourself, Reese Taylor, Jalen Williams, Davon Matthew. What's your relationship with those guys? And I guess, what are your guys' expectations as a unit, you know, leading that Indiana defense? You know, you know, losing Jamar, you know, we, you know, we would have loved for him to stay. But, you know, we have great guys on the back end also, you know. You know, best of luck to him in NFL. You know, he deserves it. You know, I'm pretty sure he's going to have a great career. But, you know, having Reese Taylor, Jalen Williams, you know, Devon Matthews, you know, we also gained Raheem back. You know, we have great guys on the back end side of the ball. You know, everybody flying around. You know, everybody have good communication. Everybody playing for one another. You know, nobody's playing selfish ball. You know, everybody's just doing their job. You know, I'm looking forward with this secondary because, you know, we have a lot to prove to ourselves, you know, and to our organization. Taiwan, this has been fantastic. I wish you the best of luck this season. But before I let you go, I got to let the people know. Homefield, the, the the clothing apparel company, the college clothing apparel company, right. is a partner on this podcast, is a sponsored partner on this podcast, and they have a Taiwan Mullen shirt that everyone needs to go get. I saw it right before we jumped on right. the interview. I'm going to go buy it as well. Uh, I guess get, get tell the people where they can get the shirt and what's on it. You know, you can go get the shirt in Homefield, you know, homefield.com, or you can come to my Instagram, t.mullen1. You know, you can hit the link in my bio. You know, on the shirt, how it's a car, you know, saying um, first All-American cornerback. You know, I'm just blessed enough, you know, with a, with a great coaching style, you know, the great cornerback coach I have, Brandon Shelby, you know, just to be Indiana first cornerback, All-American cornerback, you know, first team, you know, in school history, you know, I didn't find, I didn't know about that until, I, I found out I made I made the list. You know, I'm just blessed you know, with my teammates. Cause without them, without God, you know, I wouldn't be in a position I am in today. You know, I'm just very thankful, highly favored. You know, so you can just but with the shirts, you can just hit the link in my bio. Hell yeah, man! Really appreciate the time. This this is fantastic. I'm gonna go get the shirt. We're gonna try and make our way out to an Indiana game. We're based here in Cincy. Maybe we'll get Indiana Purdue or something. We're gonna have to make our way because this is uh, this has been fun. I really appreciate the time. Right, no problem. I appreciate you guys having me. That's it for the show. The first episode, Mike, of Tailgate, a PFF, NFL, draft, and college football podcast. Remember, we are going to be in Champaign, Illinois, Friday and Saturday. Did not say Illinois. Sorry, sorry. Illinois. Us. I'm an asshole. Illinois. We're going to be in Champaign, Illinois. You August also spelled Champaign wrong on the on the whatever they if, wrote. Do here. you want me to just? There's a do G you want me there. to stop? Do you want me to leave the podcast? Uh, I'm just saying, this is my fucking hometown. Get put some respect on its name. All right. We will when we get there this weekend. Champaign, Illinois. Please come out. Also, we Western are going to be at the whiteout that is Auburn at Penn State, where they're going to be both 2-0. I think Auburn plays a bunch of cupcakes in Penn State. If they go and beat Wisconsin, and then they and they have a cupcake after that, they could be two 2-0 teams. College game day, whiteout, Auburn, let's 
Go Bo Nix. I'm excited for that game. Please let us know if you're in State College. September 18th. going to be freaking absurd. Until next time. Did, Os- did Jordan Palmer say Bo Nix is going to be the number one overall pick next year? He did. We can see, see the number one overall greatness. pick. We can see greatness. Jahan Dotson. Tank Bigzer. Tank Bigsby is who I'm looking for. Going to be lit. Going to be sweet. That's it. Austin Gale. Producer Mike Quinn. Producer Max Chadwick. Uh, Mike Renner. Tailgate Podcast. See you later.